Hello, Robbins. The Whole Care Podcast is back. And this week we have Whole Care legend with us, Clint Newton. Cheers for joining us today, Clint. No worries, mate. Before we go in and talk about OKR and all the magic moments in the derby, just tell us a little about your current role, Clint, in uh, in the RPA and all the good work you do there. Always had a deep conviction for you know player representation and uh, and ensuring players are properly respected, you know, um, for their contribution or their essential contribution and arguably irreplaceable uh, contribution to the game. Uh, I think for too long uh, the game um, wasn't properly respecting players, uh, wasn't. Um, wasn't moving in the right direction with regards to securing, you know, the best terms and conditions, benefits and entitlements and various protections that players need in an industry that's um, pretty volatile and, and there's the, where players have a finite career um, lifespan in the industry. So uh, we've seen some significant improvements, obviously, over the past decade. Was it something you knew you wanted to go into post-game or was it something that just developed over time and you thought this is this is a real bone of contention that I've seen as a player and it's something I want to 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 change in the, in the future generations? Yeah, I, th- I think it always was there. I think, you know, um, advocacy, fairness, respect um, uh, and, and ensuring, um, you know, there's there's ultimately justice in, in various... <laughs> elements of my life has always been something that I've been deeply passionate about. Um, uh, I got involved with the RLPA when I was um, about 19, uh, largely because I was the youngest guy in the, in the nights and you just got lumped with the, uh, the shitty job, you know, really of organising players and passing on communication. But, um, but what I did enjoy about it was you got a really great understanding of the industry. Uh, and I think, you know, given the fact that um, I was never classified in the top, you know, couple of percent in, in the NRL. Um, you know, I had to work my way through the grades. I had to start from the bottom um, and find a, you know, find my spot in the, in, in the, in the squad really. Um, and having a long career and, and largely a successful career or certainly a career that I'm proud of both in the UK and the NRL gave me great um, understanding and the nuance that exists and the significant you know, the variance that exists between England and, and the NRL um, and what is required. And I was passionate about it in England, had many meetings with many of the senior players about, you know, the need to activate a players association. But if, I, if I'm being honest, um, you know, the players just, just weren't ready for it and they weren't there, you know. Um, it required the senior players to get behind it. It didn't have, it didn't have that, um, which largely... Um, you know, ultimately led to it just falling away. Um, and I think that that was the biggest thing that I've seen in the NRL over the last decade is we've seen um, consistently, you know, uh, the top players stand up for the collective and that's what it requires. You know, if, you, if your best players are not on board, if your best players do not care about those that are sitting at the bottom of your lists, uh, then you are absolutely no chance of getting a strong player representative body up and running and certainly one that um, is going to be respected where that's something that I'm incredibly proud of. Our senior group over the last you know, 10 years or so, um, they have shown a genuine care and a commitment um, and really a deep conviction in, in making sure that they look after each other. And we've seen that on countless occasions and, and that's why I'm you know, proud of um, what I've got the opportunity to do um, in, in lead the players in the role that I've got, but largely it's player-led. So, um, you know, so your job becomes much easier when players believe in it 
uh, and they accept the responsibility they have to not only look after the ones that are currently playing, but the future as well. And like you say there, it's a bit of a watershed moment, I imagine, for the union when you've got top players players back in it and understanding the importance of solidarity. Just to cast our minds back two years ago with COVID, can you just explain the challenges of those of those predicaments? I mean, the players going away from the game with, with the lockout, with, the, uh, with the, 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 the pausing of the league and then they're coming back, was, was that a real struggle? Absolutely it was. I mean, um, for the players, um, it, it was a, a significant struggle. Um, and uh, I think like the world, I mean, for me personally, I, um, I got the CEO's job on the Friday and the comp shut down on the Monday. So um, it was a, a pretty steep learning curve for me. Um, but um, I'm actually really glad that I was, I was able to be a part of it. Uh, the players had someone that they could, that, that they could trust, um, someone that had been, um, been there and been a player and, and understood um, what, what it takes uh, to be there and also um, how important it is to ensure that any deal that we entered into, um, that it was going to build in enough protection for the players. But um, for the players, I don't think unless you lived it, uh, you'll never really know and never really you know, truly understand. I didn't live it like the way the players did. I certainly have a tremendous amount of respect and empathy and understanding for what they had to go through, particularly given the fact that um, uh, a big chunk of players had to um, be removed from their homes. We saw the Warriors players relocate for two and a half years um, with an inability to go home. Um, players missing um, key milestone moments um, and important moments where you know they had parents pass away, grandparents pass away, the births of their children, uh, those types of things. And again, I know this is consistent with what other people were doing around the world in their industry, but um, that that's that. Um, so I totally acknowledge that and have a deep level of understanding or or empathy for those people that had to go through it. But obviously, for me, that my focus was the playing group, and I could only manage um, manage the rugby league players. It wasn't sort of certainly our responsibility to to take on every other industry as well. And the players were acutely aware of their role during COVID um, and how much. The responsibility that to take on and just because they carried it really well during that period it doesn't mean to say that it wasn't heavy mm. um and it was incredibly heavy for them you know given the fact that at a, at a period of time there they didn't think they were going to get paid another dollar um uh for you know for the rest of the season to then come back on significant reductions for the last five months of their season whilst living under the strictest of rules um yes um, in essence, to protect the players, and it was necessary, but ultimately you had to live it daily, mm. um, and not just them, their families as well, um, which had significant impact on them. So, so to go through that for two consecutive years um, was, a, was a huge sacrifice for, for players, because ultimately if the players don't return and they don't choose um, to, you know, to pick up the baton and, and run forward with it, or pick up the football, so to speak, yeah. And charge forward. The game doesn't survive. It is as simple as that. Um, because whether people want to accept it or not, you know, if um, if the administration or the central body folded up and and was no more, the game would continue on. Um, at some point, it would. Um, but and and that's where players and clubs and the coaching staff, mm -hmm. um, you know, of all clubs and the support staff. I mean, 
I've got such a tremendous amount of respect for the role that they played in, in everything, but it was a really big moment for the game. I thought it was a very clear demonstration of just how significant um, and, and essential players are to generating revenue, to protecting the game's future, and ultimately, again, providing for the fans. You know, that's what sport did. I think that's one of the yeah. biggest things that we were able to see during COVID is just how important sport was for community connectivity um, and giving people something to look forward to on the weekend. Yeah, and just what you say there about the, the connectivity and players just not being like passive objects in the game and people just kind of, kind of the, the the above of, of the game just dictating how it's going to go and, and how people are going to be paid and, and what how the, the profits of the game are shared, I guess, as well, and the assets. And, and you mentioned there about celebration. I mean, we've got a celebration coming up this week about Magic Weekend, and it's great to have it back. Can you tell us a bit about your experiences at Magic Weekend in the early years with Hulk Oh, I mean, obviously, I'd never experienced anything like it until uh, I, I came over to England, and um, obviously the NRL have picked it up and um, and done something, you know, very similar um, or nearly exactly the same, you know, here in the last couple of years, and the players love it. Fans love it. It's been a really good revenue uh, driver for the NRL. Um, and I'm really glad that they did. It was a good move by the NRL in, in picking it up and, and doing it. Um, but my time you know, in England and playing in the Magic weekends, uh, um, I soon realised why um, uh, the Super League governing body would always put um, the whole derby at the end of the tournament or the end of the weekend to make people stay and um, because the whole people, they were there all weekend and, and usually everyone wanted to sit around and or stay around and experience a whole derby, you know, that many other uh, fans don't get to experience because obviously if they're not mm -hmm. um, Hull FC or Hull KR supporters, they don't, they don't actually truly know what it's like. Um, and I, I would say um, that unapologetically to, to anyone is that, um, and proudly that the whole derby is the best derby you know, in the Super League, um, and and it's a great representation of what um, what sport can provide, um, which is some fierce fierce competitive tension, um, and uh, and to experience that at some of the best stadiums in um, uh, in Scotland and Wales and, and and England, I think was a a great experience. Um, fortunately enough, we. Uh, we won um, way more than we lost in the Hull derbies, which was always something that um, uh, that I was proud of. And uh, but I mean, it was just tremendous. I just wish I wish they had to put us on a Friday so I could enjoy the beers over the weekend and actually experience some of the matches instead of watching them all and then um, playing on a Sunday and having to hit the road um, either up the M62 or or or, or heading south um, from from Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, Murrayfield, the Millennium Stadium, and, and that was the first derby for you at Magic Weekend, the Millennium Stadium. What was that like? I, I remember the occasion, there's, fire, or there's the flamethrowers going off, there's people coming down the tunnel, it's just like a big ball. Was it a bit of a, was it, did it feel like it was a derby or did it feel like it was a bit like the whole had been transplanted to Cardiff in a way? Well, I mean, the the the, the crowd were, you know, fantastic. I mean, both, both whole teams, they've got um, incredibly passionate supporters, which... Um, which I've always, uh, you know, I've always been uh, appreciative of. Um, it was just unfortunate that Hull FC supported the wrong team. That was all. Um, and, uh, and you know, 90% um, of the time they supported the wrong team whenever I played and, and whenever we played in, in, in against them. So 
Um, so again, it was, but I think that it was the good, the, the great part about of it, like, and the part that I got a real buzz out of was uh, one, the quality of the stadium. Um, two, you're able to, you know, reward your fans um, across all the teams by bringing them to a stadium that is, you know, state of the art, because we know that in the Super League, many stadiums, you know, are, um, they've obviously advanced a fair bit in the last few years, but ultimately it is, they are still in a position where it, it isn't this premium stand, yeah. you, know, um, you know, stadium. Um, but obviously that's nothing taken away from the, from, from the home grounds that, that exist in, um, in the Super League because they're, they're tremendous and they're, they're rich in character. Uh, but I think that that's a really good thing. You know, it gives the people to, an opportunity to mix. There was such a carnival, you know, festival type in, um, atmosphere there. And um, it just worked out that largely a lot of the time my, my mum or dad would visit during that period. So they loved it, got a great experience from it. Um, obviously my, my partner at the time, now wife, you know, she was able to come with her family. So it was a really inclusive event, which I think is, is which is fantastic. But yeah, I had a great time and, um, you know, the atmosphere was fantastic and uh, I'm really, really glad that I got an opportunity to participate. And then weekends, it, you do take your full training schedule, you, you go that way after you've uh, you've had a week of prep. What was it like being under Morgan at the time? And I know you used to really get the, the KR team up for the whole derbies and you could see it every time that they were, they were run through brick walls for the uh, for, for the fans in, in them games. What was it like in the week up? Was it a bit of a siege mentality? Was it Were you ready to take them on? Was there a clear strategy in place for, for how to tackle FC? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me was that the moment I signed at Hull KR was um, doing everything I could to try and shift some of the mindset that had existed uh, for, for too long, like in the club, particularly when obviously they got relegated and they were in the second division for quite some time after, a, you know, such a tremendously um, successful you know, period, you know, pre you know, sort of 1982 1981, around that time, like before that, obviously they were they were really successful producing many, you know, English internationals and recruiting some of the best of Australia's talent, you know, there. But it was trying to shift the mindset of the people to understand that um, you do deserve to belong in the Super League, and and we will um, make you make you proud and make you believe that um, that you are no one's um, poor cousin or um, you know. Uh, or didn't or, or weren't worthy of being in the Super League because I think that that uh, that unfortunately was some of the um, the spillover of you know the rest of England and how they saw Hull mm -hmm. um, and and that's why I was always deeply passionate about um, um, the respect that Hull um, should receive uh, not only you know for its uh, sporting contribution because when you consider that at one time there we had two professional Super League teams and, and Hull City all playing in the premier competitions in, um, in England outside of probably rugby union. Um, that's a tremendous um, uh, achievement for a small town um, that is, is largely trodden on by um, certainly the South. Uh, and, and I think that that was something that I was, you know, always very passionate about. Then it was about obviously trying to, you know, rip straight into um, the rivalry between the two teams. And yeah. um, uh, I did my homework, you know, did my research, understood that there was um, 
uh, that obviously they'd only just stayed up, you know, the year before. Um, you know, Morgs did a good job in selling me. Um, you know, I think the what it would mean to to um, to bring, you know, as the logo said, bring some pride back to East Hull. We recruited well. I was fresh off the back of winning, you know, the premiership with Melbourne Storm. I wanted a new challenge. I had obviously a British passport. Um, I could go in under quota um, or outside of quota. I could, you know, um, just you know, take on something significant. And so, um, and I also wanted to light a fit, bit of a fire up under FC, you know, too. Um, you know, I wanted to make them make them aware that, you know, there was a um, there was a new, there was a new team in town, and um, and we were we were going to make sure that over the certainly the period of time that I was there. My, you know, I, I made it a priority to, for myself to make sure that I certainly won more than I lost against FC, which I'm happy to say I did, you know, winning seven from nine. So, um, so I think that, um, and the Australian boys did buy into it. You know, Morgs was very passionate about it, um, you know, and, and it's not hard to be passionate about it when you had guys like Neil Hudgel, yeah. Phil Lowe, Cole Hutton, Roger Millwell, Millward, um, uh, all part of a part of that, and um, as well as whether it was the gear steward, you know, like um, whether it was Bonesy and those sort of guys that were a part of us, you know, part of the team. Um, they were just as much as part of the team um, as as I was, because they they lived it. They oh, yeah. they they were whole oh, people, yeah. you know, and and they'd been supporting the the team through the. The best of days and the worst of days, and 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 that was something that, again, uh, I, I was I was acutely aware of. Um, but we needed to make sure the team lifted, and and I think that that was one of the things that we did really well. Um, there was nothing better than watching uh, the black and white jerseys leave early, particularly when we smacked their ass, and um, you know, like we did in the semi-final, um, and and that's what it was about, and. Um, and again, I, uh, I really, I love my time there and, and, and Hull FC fans were a big part of the reason why I love my time there because they gave me, um, effectively someone to hate, um, and someone to, um, and, and someone to wind up, um, which I'm happy I did. Um, and I gave them someone to, you know, you know, hate as well. And that's okay. You know, um, uh, so yeah, it was, it was great times. Um, and, uh, and something that, um, I'm I'm really grateful that I got to experience, and and that goes both ways. You know, um, KFC fans made it a great experience for me, just as much as the the KR. Yeah, I mean, for FC fans, a bit of a pantomime villain in a way, just just coming in and spoiling their party, and it's it's a great time for the club as well. And, and some of the people you mentioned, they're still around. I mean, Bones is still the kit man, which is uh, just shows that the the part of the club, the part of the inner workings, the part of the fixtures, uh, is it. During that time, is there any memorable moments that stick out around the derbies? I mean, things that fans might not know about or, or things where they the were behind the scenes and, and you knew you were going to win a derby or it was great to be in celebration of a derby? I think uh, for me personally, um, I, I suppose my my lead up to a derby, um, it wasn't, you know, just another match for me. Um you know, maybe other players felt that way, but for me, I think that uh, I, I just under—I—I I, I did my very best to try and understand what it would mean for the people 
um, if they, um, if on their day-to-day -day lives, um, they weren't necessarily happy with everything that was going on or, um, you know, the weather was no good or they were having troubles at home or they, you know, they were, they were just struggling with different things because life's hard, you know, at mm -hmm. times. And, um, and you, you can't, you can't sugarcoat it, you know, Hull, like many other communities, has parts of it that, um, that are underprivileged, um, that, um, that are just doing the best they can with what they've got. And, and sport gives them the opportunity to lift themselves up for that period of time, yeah. um, for that 80 minutes. Um, and, and, um, and then they get to go back to their life again. And, and if you could do something that would, uh, that would keep them up for longer than just 80 minutes, then, then that's something that you, you, you take on that responsibility and you have to grab it. You have to grab it by the throat and you have to understand that um, this is your job. Um, and this is also why you should love your job because you've got an opportunity to make so many other people happy um, for longer than just a short period of time. And, and I think that that was something that, um, that I really connected with uh, and and so did many of the other players as well. Um, but you know, seeing seeing what it meant, seeing how they carried themselves, seeing the fact that their shoulders were slightly pulled back a little bit further, and their 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 head was a little higher um, through the week. Smiles were um, on people's faces. The jerseys were out being worn more often. Now that that's um, that that's. Uh, an incredible opportunity that players are presented with yeah. um, on a weekly basis, but a couple of times a year when it's a derby, um, it, it means that bit much more to the people for both sides of the town. But um, but I think that they were the things that were most important. I think some of the uh, the insights. Um, uh, I mean, obviously for me, um, uh, I would I would go out of my way to obviously try and wind them up either midweek, you know, obviously Morgs would try and muzzle me yeah. at times as would, as would some of the other players, but that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and uh, because that was part of it. And obviously, you know, when, when you talk a big game, you've got to try and back it up. And, you know, on a couple of occasions, we didn't, we didn't get the job done and that's okay. Um, but, you know, 85, 90% of the time we did, you know, so, um, uh, so, Going into the game was, you know, about, you know, getting them to, you know, get them off their game, um, you know, a bit. And then obviously with the crowd, um, I used to get a lot of energy out of, you know, um, feeding off, first of all, getting some acknowledgement from, you know, um, our, our home crowd um, because they were my first priority. And then quickly moving to the FC fans to get a bit more energy off them, which largely was... Um, uh, not as um, not as positive, yeah. uh, um, but um, but but it was um, it it was um, just as uplifting for me because you got to see both sides. One, how much our fans you know loved us, needed us, um, and um, and and were right there, right up alongside us. They might not have been on the field, but I'll tell you what, they bloody felt like it. Yeah. And then you had the FC fans that you know hated you. And, and again, that's okay. There was no, I had no issue with that. Um, um, of course, it was personal for me um, and for them, no doubt, for that period of time. 
Um, and whilst Everall was wearing, you know, the red and white, it was personal, very mm. personal, um, because of, as I said before, how much it meant to our people, um, as I'm sure it just meant just as much to some of the FC players. But that was always something that I enjoyed. Um, and I often, you know, I remember when I wound up, you know, some of the fans and the police would turn around and tell me to, you know, to, uh, to move on, um, you know, because of uh, what it could generate. Um, but that was that was a big part of it. I think that the, the bleaching of the hair stuff, that was um, obviously not ideal timing-wise, but rules are rules for us. And Fox United, obviously, we missed a promotion um, and we rolled, rolled the dice and obviously got the bleached blonde hair of all times, you know, leading into a derby. Yeah. Um, which then sort of triggered a, a response from the FC, people thinking I was being disrespectful and um, and that I was, you know, taking the piss. And, um, you know, Richard Agar had some comments to say, you know, um, about about the respect that I had and, and all those types of things. And as I said, after the game, I think Richard was probably just jealous that, you know, I could actually do it with my hair and he couldn't, you know. Um, and uh, and that if he, if he needed... If he needed me as motivation, that he might not have been doing that good a job as a coach. But uh, Richard, obviously, is a great guy, and that was all part of the theatre, and it was yeah. never again anything personal. Um, um, but but I'll, I was always going to defend Hull KR people, and p- particularly people of East Hull. And then if people outside of Hull bagged Hull people, it didn't matter to me what side of town you're on. If you bag us, you bag us, and you're going to take us all on. So. That was very much something that um, I was aware of, and then obviously the, the semi was a it was a great moment, um, knocking them out uh, in the first um, the first knockout match that FC and KR had played in for over 20 years uh, to, to to knock them off the way we did in the in the finals uh, there at their home ground. Um, uh, I, I think it was a great experience um, and one that I'll, I'll certainly cherish for a long time. Yeah, I mean they're, they're synonymous now with the Derbys in two thousands, the the wigs and then the the blonde hair and stuff. And just to go a bit deeper into that, the blonde hair, what was the what was the uh, the stipulation behind it? Then was it a penalty? Was it something that you had to do just because you're there uh, a forfeit in a way? Yeah, we had to. We had um, it actually came. I brought it from Melbourne, where you had to um, if you you know you missed training or you were late to a video session or you wore the wrong gear or. Uh, those types of things, or your phone went off in in meetings or anything like that. You know, there was a um, a board, you know, that had certain you know punishments on it, or a or a free pass, um, you know, on it as well. If you were lucky enough to roll double six, um, but on on this occasion, the 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 bleach hair, it was always the most consistent numbers that come up are always ones that are connected to you know it's around that sort of seven eight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, six, seven, eight, because there's obviously so many combinations with the two dices that you can get. So you always put the worst ones on, on there. And unfortunately, Foxy and I were late to a promo and um, both of us rolled that on the same day. Um, and both of us were on the same side, obviously on the right-hand side. So it did look like that it was me and him that were um, that were potentially taking the piss out of the FC fans, but I couldn't wait to, you know, to die back. Um, uh, you know, after after it, so um, uh, I'm just glad that you know not not more of my my hair fell out 
unlike um, unlike Dobbo or Jake Webster or Mick Bella or Ben Villiers over the years that we were there or Fish. Yeah, they, like you mentioned, there's some of the names like they're synonymous with like them derby wins and just that siege mentality at Craven Park where Rufus is coming on with a tank and and they're in the away end in the uh, at the other end of the ground, right? I mean, it felt like a couple of miles away from the pitch, but them derbies especially, did the winds like that in the pouring rain when it was when it was windy when it was horrible in, in February? Were they the ones that really you, you got behind and thought they were really good wins? I'm I'm so glad we we got one over them. Well, I actually never forget my, my first derby was the hardest, one of the hardest for a number of reasons. One, um, a lot of the build-up, you know, a lot of the expectation. Um, I talked a big game, you know, uh, you know, when I arrived, uh, it was my first opportunity, you know, as it was for Benny Gillear and um, uh, Jake Webster and Chev and um, and all of the guys that, you know, had signed. Um, and it was uh, it was at home. And uh, and we played um, we played in horrendous conditions. Um, and, you know, it was freezing cold. Um, despite that, that you know, the fans turned out, which was another sort of um, another clear demonstration for me with just how much it meant to both both fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, um, I didn't have any sympathy for FC fans that were stuck out in the open. Um, there's nothing worse than that at East at, at Craven Park, you know, being at either one of those ends and you've got no shelter. So they deserve to be there. There's no doubt about that. Um, but to but to end up in a situation where we win by one point, um, you know, with effectively, you know, a minute or so to go and James Webster kicking a field goal in, in literally conditions that... Um, I don't think we were too far off coming off the field where, you know, you're, you're, you're kicking off and the, the rain and the hail um, is just feeling like, as it was at that point, was coming horizontal oh, yeah. or sort of parallel to the ground like and it's just hitting you, hitting you in the face as you're trying to kick off, you know, cup shielding your face. Um, and I remember saying to Ashley Klein at the time, you know, um, uh, we'd better win this or I'd be getting straight out of town, um, you know, because uh, this is not going to feel good, you know, losing in these conditions. And um, and it was very much like, I might, I might be joining you back home if that's the case. And <laughs> so um, and to then go on and win, obviously, with a bit of a wonky field goal from, from James, where you don't need to draw diagrams, you just have to mark it up as one point. We, we got, out, got it over and won. And um, I remember... Uh, Adam Dykes, he he got carted off to hospital um, with um, with hypothermia. Um, I, I remember him coming out of the sheds and he had the um, had the uh, coil um, rug on yeah. um, because it was that cold and um, obviously um, he, he obviously recovered. But that was that was how bad it was. It was just you know really horrendous conditions and um, despite the fact that. I don't really give halves that big of a rap, you know. Um, uh, he, he might he might have been a bit soft, but but at the end of the day, it was it was bloody cold, and um, yeah. but I'm just glad we got the win. Yeah, and I mean, just fast forward a little bit further down the track, going to Millennium, the first magic, and, and to win in them circumstances, well, right at the death, was it was it always a feeling that you could get over the line and uh, and get the job done in Cardiff? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I, I mean, for for me. Um, you know, particularly with when you're in reach, you know, you can you can never you, you can you can never let that 
you know, light be extinguished. And, um, and I think Derby's again was just, there was something, you know, uniquely special about it. Um, and I think our team really lifted, you know, during those periods. And it, make no mistake, FC were the glamour club. They were the richest club in, you know, in Hull. They just couldn't beat us, um, you know. And, and so that was something that, again, um, you know, we played on that. Um, you know, a lot of people would talk, you know, during the week and, um, uh, and different people would obviously, you know, um, you know, hang shit on East Hull and, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the quality of the housing and, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But again, um, that, that sort of stuff only motivates you even more. Um, because again, as I said earlier in this, you recognise just how much it means, you know, to, to people because they are, they, they are doing it tough. They do struggle. So therefore, sport is giving them that opportunity, um, you know, to, to, to forget about the, the struggles and, um, and understand. Uh, and, and, and I think that when players understand that, um, you know, you are going to find something more times than not. Um, and, and, and we certainly did. But that was, again, a, a great, um, you know, a really strong victory um, in some of the, the dying stages. And now coming up into Derby week for the Magic Weekend in Newcastle, new head coach with, with Danny Maguire taking the reins. And you talk about them battles in Super League. Not only did KR have really good battles with FC, but Leeds Rhinos as well and managed to really get under the skins when, when the Rhinos were, were flying out. What's your memories of playing against Danny Maguire and, and your experiences with him? Yeah, Danny and I had a good uh, good rivalry. He was always on the left-hand side um, uh, and I was, on the, I was on the right, so... Um, so that was that was always something that I really enjoyed. I mean, he was a tremendous player. Um, you know, uh, I think that was half the reason why you'd want to try and get under a, you know a, a, his skin because again, if you just left them alone, um, I think you give them too much opportunity to you know to get in to to find their groove and um, and and play in their comfort zone, and that's not something for me that. Um, that, that sat well. I mean, again, Leeds was such a strong club with so many fantastic players in their team that, had, that, that were tried and tested and um, as well as some good up-and-coming, you know, players. But, uh, you know, again, I, I never forget my first ever game for, for, for Hull KR, which was um, at, uh, at Leeds. And, um, again, sold out crowd, first game, cold. My father was in the stand. Um, and, and it was such a great experience uh, running out for the first time. And, yeah, we got rolled. We just got beat. But um, we sent a bit of a message to Leeds. Um, you know, I know that they had some, that they had some um, comments to make after the game about some of the tactics that, um, that were used in the game that, in my view, was just, um, which was part of gamesmanship, you know, that we weren't going to let, FC just sort of, you know, walk all over the top of us and disrespect us. And there was plenty of niggle in the game. Yeah. Um, uh, but again, it was about, um, we, we, it wasn't necessarily, yes, we went into the game wanting to win, but it also wasn't just about trying to win. It was also about saying, you know, we're here to play and, you know, this is a new team, you know, and, um, um, and sending a bit of a message to the competition that um, we weren't going to be a team um, that was considered anyone's doormat. Um, and I think we did that. And we played four of the, the toughest clubs in those four first 
those first four rounds where we went um, Leeds away, St Helens at home, Warrington at home, Catalan away, and we ended up two from four where we beat Saints at home for the first time in over 20 years. Um, and, and we just got rolled by Warrington and then we beat, um, we, uh, we beat Catalan right at the death where Stanley um, brought out a bit of uh, Stanley magic as only he could with a, with, a, um, with, a, with a grubber that I think would have come off his shin um, and into one of the goalposts and ricocheted and we ended up scoring um, at the death. But um, it, was a, it was a good start for us. And I think that, was, that also just set a bit of a platform for the rest of the season. And it gave fans that, that sense of hope. It gave them something to look forward to now on the weekend, that it was, wasn't just looking forward to a match. It was looking forward to we're a genuine chance here of winning, you know, so and there is a difference. Um, so I think that was the important part too. Yeah, and like I said, the, the echoes of that team are still are still around in Super League. I mean, Stan's still involved with the club. Um, Jason Everton, the, the head of uh, head of the academy. And then, like I said, Dan, uh, Danny Maguire, I mean, much later on, he, he, was, he was a Robin coming a bit later, but there's, there's definitely echoes of, uh, of the, them teams around. Do you think, I, I don't know what we've seen of Super League this year, but uh, what did you make of the first derby this, earlier this year? Yeah, I actually stayed up and watched it. Um, yeah, I was I was, um, I, I was staying at my mum and dad's at the time, and um, yeah, I ended up watching it. Uh, obviously, uh, it was a difficult game, um, but you know, I think that um, you know it's it's always it's always it's always good to watch um, uh, derbies. I mean, I think that um, uh, I think that some of the players that we've got there, I, I think they get it. Um, um, I certainly think that there's been a couple of really good purchases, you know, more recently um, that um, that understand, you know, what their obligations are and their responsibilities are to, you know, to a jersey that is absolutely, you know, um, just steeped in history um, and, um, and 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 dripping with so many, you know, quality memories and players that have come before them. Um, so. Yeah, I think that, again, it's going to be a tough game this weekend. Um, I, I think, you know, both teams, you know, they're going to come come to the game, you know, with a mindset of um, of wanting to win because both of them should know what it means. Um, I just hope our guys, um, you know, want it that bit, that, that uh, little bit more. And I think, uh, again, with Danny Maguire there, I mean, again, you, you, you're not going to find too many players in the history of the Super League um, that have played at an elite level consistently um, and won trophies like Danny has. Um, and I think that that's going to put him in a good position, um, you know, to, to have some, you know, to have some confidence going into the game. And I think that, you know, Dan, Danny was such a great player and you just don't need to overcomplicate things. I think that if you um, if you've got some pretty clear principles and, you, and you're going with a mindset of, um, of of doing whatever it takes, then I think you're going to be in a good position to um, to, to to claim the win at the end of the at the end of the final few minutes. Great, thank you for your time today, Clint. And uh, it's so great to hear about your your fond memories of the club. And uh, good luck with your role for the rest of the year and, and the future as well. Um, I'm sure the the whole KR faithful, the uh, the Red Army, will be checking in on you all the time as well. No, no worries. Um, thanks, mate. I, again, I 
um, I just can't thank the, um, the the people of Hull and more specifically um, the Hull KR fans because um, uh, you gave you know everyone gave me so much more than I could have ever um, uh, ever given them um, and and the memories are, are priceless for me um, that I often talk about um, with with a smile on my face. Uh, again, England's given me so much. Going back to the Super League, um, particularly my wife and, and three girls now. Um, so again, if I wasn't there, if I wasn't happy, if I wasn't enjoying playing rugby league, um, I wouldn't have had such a good experience. And the people of Hull and the Hull KR supporters gave me that opportunity um, and, and made my time there so so memorable and I'm forever grateful. And I suppose for, for me, all I, all I could have ever hoped for and all I hope for, you know, particularly the people of East Hull is... Um, is understand that um, you matter, um, your team matter, um, and you should never let anyone tell you anything different. And um, uh, and anyone that does you know, isn't worth your time. But you've just got to have that belief that um, you are important and and you do have a place. Um, and you've certainly got a place in my heart. So um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I just uh, I, I just I suppose I get passionate about it. That I just want everyone to to know that you mean a lot and um, um, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to wear the red and white. Here we, here we, here we go.